0: Let's pray. Father, as we come today, we um, we are reminded of our own sin and guilt that we bring with us to church on Sunday. We can cover it up with nice clothes or with happy faces, but we, we come knowing this week that there are all kinds of sin that we have done. Our hearts have loved things more than we've loved you. Our hearts have Considered other people's opinion of us more important than your opinion of us. We've carried unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. We've tried to satisfy ourselves with, with feelings and with pleasures. And so, God, we come today as those that are guilty, saying, God, will you forgive us again? Will you cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Because we cannot wash our hands enough to remove the stain of what we've thought and what we've done and what we've said. God, I pray that today that you would use the gospel among us to remind us and to declare again that we are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And so today I pray that you would remind us again that that is true, that no matter what the temptations or accusations of Satan are, no matter what the accusations of our heart are, no matter the the lies of our minds that says, how could you have been so foolish and stupid? God, I pray that you would remind us again that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is only a smile and a welcome and a come home. I pray, Lord, that that would be true of us today. Today, God, I rejoice with the Justin and Aaron and their family as they rejoice in a new baby. God, we thank you for, um, we thank you for the gift that all life is. We don't know what the days ahead hold for baby Georgia. But God, we pray your great blessing on her and on their family. We know that it is a, a a gift and an opportunity and a responsibility to raise children in the Lord. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give Justin and Aaron an extra measure of grace to do that in Georgia's life. God, we pray that you would give them strength and encouragement in the in these coming days. For some, the early days are easy and fun. And for some the days and the nights are really long and we I pray that your grace would be great for them in in whatever these days hold. I pray that our church would would love them and support them as they raise Georgia in in your word and in the gospel. God, I pray for those in our church who are sick, some of whom are still kind of waiting like Dave who a little bit of treatment and then a long wait and then more treatment. So, God, I pray your grace on Dave and Missy. Pray that you would give them strength. I pray that your word and your promises, that you would never leave them or forsake them, would hold them up in these days. I pray that you would give the doctors skill and wisdom uh, as they work to battle his cancer, as they battle the infections that are kind of slowing down treatment. God, I pray for others in our church some of them with major diagnosis, some of them with secret diagnosis that we don't know about. God, I pray your grace and your, your peace on their hearts in all of this. I pray that you're the character of an unchanging God who is not surprised by anything and whose love towards them is not interrupted by anything. I pray, Lord, that that would uphold those who are dealing with uh, surgeries diagnosis and cancer, the uncertainty that goes along with being sick, the discouragement and the fear that goes along with it. I pray that your character would hold up those today uh, who need who need your strength and who need your care. God, I pray today for our missionaries in Pakistan. It is a difficult country to be a Christian and to be a missionary in. And so I pray your grace on um, our missionaries who are there. I pray your grace on their church. I pray God that you your word would be spoken in truth. I pray that nothing would distract them or keep them from holding back the good news of the gospel. I pray that you would give them just boldness because they know and believe that nothing can slow down your plans in their lives. There is no opposition, there's no government, there is no religious leader, there is no movement that can slow down what you're going to do in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that that would give them encouragement and strength. And boldness that they would believe that God. I pray that you would give them and their family purity. That Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would walk with you, growing in Christ. I pray that their ministry would flow out of what you are doing in their hearts and in their lives. God, I pray today for for the town of Bluffs, for our sister churches who are there. God, I pray that you are that your word and would be clearly spoken, that you would be worshipped in song and in prayer. God, I pray that your people who are there would be built up. And I pray that those, uh, that you would use our brothers and sisters there in Bluffs to be a little taste of the kingdom and an announcement that the God of the universe loved the people of Bluffs enough to give his son for the people who live there. I pray that that would become, uh, that it would grow and be a reality so that our, the, our county can be transformed one person in one church at a time. I pray your blessing on the, on the churches who are there and who are gathered today. And then I pray today, oh God, that you would give us hearts that love you more than we did yesterday. I pray that you would, as you give us a taste of who you are, as your word tells us what is true, that you would help us to love you more and more in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, in joy or in sorrow this week. I pray, Lord, that your word would come into our hearts and change us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, only you can do that. You can take the word and you can make it bear fruit. And I pray that you would do that today. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that unites all of us in here today is that all of us have things that we're afraid of. Some of them we can control and some of them that we can't. This week I was with my kids at a garden club event and a guy brings out a snake. It's a snake that's teeth are not big enough to bite human skin. But one of my little ones wanted to be held and so I stepped back to the edge of the room And a little boy that I have no idea who he is comes over looking at me like, can I come and be with you? And I was like, yes. And so he kind of stands with me. And as the snake is kind of slithering around, I mean, it's this long. Uh, I know some of you are like, no no length of snake is good enough. Well, the snake is this long. And then all of a sudden, the boy has disappeared. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, like this isn't my kid. I'm not responsible for him. But where did he go? Well, at that point, he's finally behind me. And then later, he just left the whole room. All of us have things that we're afraid of, and it could be something involuntary like snakes, or it could be that there are seasons like me where you just have dreams where you didn't plan on waking up in a cold sweat, afraid of whatever, but it, it happens. Sometimes It could be something that like, makes sense, like a car crash or the call of a loved one who's been injured. It could be something, or it could just be some kind of bizarre fear that just comes up out of nowhere, and you go, what's going on? So the thing that unites all of us here today is that whether it's at this moment or in every moment, we will all face things that we fear. A grandpa once was explaining this this kind of a moment to me, and I guess at, at that point I'd been talking about fear, and he was thinking of the things he was afraid of, and he said his grandson was on his lap and had a picture of a monster, and he goes, is that the thing that you're afraid of? And I realize, yeah, whether you're a grandpa and you're afraid of retirement or of, of something going on, you're, you know, mid-career and you're afraid of being fired or failure, or you're a child afraid of whatever is in the closet at night. All of us have things that we fear. And today, Psalm 27 speaks to all of us wherever we're at, with whatever that fear is. So go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 27. more than just okay all of us face fear today the the question that we kind of come with is how can i how can i deal with fear or how can i cultivate confidence in in the face of fear we know we okay i don't want to be afraid we come here today and none of us go yeah yeah i like being afraid i want but some of us just go i've just seen enough of life to notice i should be afraid how do we how does god call us today young or old, closer to the end of our race or closer to the beginning? How does God call us to cultivate confidence in our fear? Psalm 27, we're going to read verses 1 to 14. Speak to that universal human experience of fear. Psalm 27 of David, "'The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?' All the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Verse seven, hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my savior, though my father and mother forsake me. The Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, We all deal with fear. Whether it's when we're waking or when we're sleeping. Whether it's large and something we can point to or just a a low-grade dread of the future. And God, I pray that today you will use your word to help us cultivate confidence in the face of fear. Help us know how to deal with the fear that comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27 calls us in a song, to seek the Lord for confidence in our fear. Whether it's paychecks and the future, whether it's a relationship that might crumble, whether it's a loved one hurt or a diagnosis we're facing, this passage says seek the Lord for confidence in fear. I want to show you from it four ways to cultivate confidence instead of fear. Because in reality, none of us want to be afraid. You go, okay, thank you, Joe. I don't want to be afraid. I know that. We all know that. This passage gives us four ways to cultivate confidence instead of fear. First, verses one through three tell us to describe and name our confidence. Describe and name our confidence. Look at what David does here. He starts, and each of these is a description The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. David starts by saying, I'm going to find a light and a salvation and a stronghold somewhere. And he starts by describing and naming that as the Lord. You and I have things that we're tempted to say, oh, this will be the stronghold of my life. Whether it's the grain markets, the stock market, estate retirement, whether it's a relationship working out, whether it's control over all of the things in our lives, whether it's being finally independent of a boss that can jerk you one way and then another. All of us are tempted to find strongholds and all of us are tempted to find our light and our salvation somewhere. And David starts and says, no. My stronghold is not the 30 mighty warriors that I have surrounding me at every moment. David doesn't start by saying, My stronghold is the fact that I now have the most secure capital city that you could get. Where there's cliffs on two sides, and so I really just have to defend one side of my capital city. David says, My stronghold is not in the fact that I have my family set and secure now. David says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And he, I think that he's not just saying it, oh, okay, this is the way it's always been. David, who battled his family, who battled outside kingdoms, David, who battled his own sin, Constantly, I think David is here declaring, this is my choice. The Lord is going to be my stronghold. The Lord is going to be my light. I am going to be tempted to think, well, if I just follow my feelings or if I just follow the good advice of other people, then I'll have light. And David says, no, the Lord is going to be the light that's going to show me the way to go. David says, my salvation is not going to come when there's enough money or when there's enough health, or when people think well of me, David says, my salvation is named Yahweh. That is the name of my stronghold. So then David begins to look at his situation in light of the Lord, rather than looking at his life in light of his situation. You see, I think Satan wants us to fear. Satan wants us to be afraid of the future. He wants us to be afraid that God has forgotten us. Satan calls God's protection and provision and care and sufficiency in our life into question. Moment by moment and says, God has forgotten you. And David says, no, the Lord is my stronghold. He's been that and he's going to be that. When I have sinned, the Lord has been my salvation. When I have been weak, the Lord has been my stronghold. And David says, I am not going to believe the lie that says that something else can be my light or my salvation or my stronghold. And so this is a call to you and I to declare to ourselves, uh, my safe place is still going to be the Lord. No matter what the past has held, no matter the pain of the past. Or the danger of the past. Here in this passage, God calls us to say, come and make me your stronghold. Name it. Name that you're going to make me the one that you trust in. Because your heart is not going to let you stumble into that kind of faith. I'm reminded of how many times in Scripture there is a call to put our strength in the Lord. Joshua 1.9 One of the most famous passages. Often if you ask men what their favorite scripture is, this is one of them. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because you're strong enough. Because you're safe. Because it's not that bad. No, it doesn't say any of those things. Joshua 1.9 says, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not, be, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The New Testament gives us better promises that the Holy Spirit will come and live in us. And so we have a better promise than Joshua 1.9 gives to Joshua. It's that no matter where we go, there is a stronghold and a light and a salvation that says, I'm not going to abandon you in those places that you're going to be tempted to think I've abandoned you. And so this passage calls those of us, if you're like me, and you face some kind of fears, great fears, small fears, some fears that you can name, and some days that you just go, something's wrong and I don't know what it is. It says, in the face of fear, name and describe where your stronghold is. When, when the stronghold comes in and says, you're afraid because retirement looks risky, Name and describe. The Lord will be my light and my stronghold to the very end. When you are afraid of what is going to happen to your family members, name and describe the Lord is my stronghold. Second way to cultivate confidence in the face of in fear in this passage is to seek the Lord. Look at verses four and six, four to six where David then turns and says, "'One thing I ask from the Lord, "'this only do I seek, "'that I may dwell in the house of the Lord "'all the days of my life, "'to gaze on the beauty of the Lord "'and to seek Him in His temple. "'For in the day of trouble, "'He will keep me safe in His dwelling. "'He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent "'and set me high upon a rock. "'Then my head will be exalted "'above the enemies who surround me. "'At His sacred tent I will sacrifice.'" With shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. David starts by naming his confidence. And then he says, what am I going to do? I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. But I want you to notice how many times he repeats words that have to do with the tent of God, the house of God, the dwelling place of God. At this moment, the, the dwelling place of God was the tabernacle. And I think it was J. Meyer, I've forgotten who said it, but drew attention to the fact that this is not the temple as if, well, here's the place to go where you have access to worship. The tabernacle was the God of the universe coming down to dwell with his people. And so what David says is, what am I going to seek? I'm going to seek the God who decided to come and dwell among us. Not just, well, there's a special place that I can go, a temple where if I follow the right rules, then I'm welcome. David says, no, the God of the universe, the God of Israel came to dwell among us, to give us us a relationship with him, to let us know him, to dwell with him. And so David says, so I am going to go to be with the God who has come to be with me. David is re- reminding himself and reminding us and calling us to, to, to seek the presence of the Lord in the face of fear and say, God, the God who came to us, we want to be with you. Not the God who sits with His arms crossed sitting in a chair, don't come any further. Instead, the God who comes with His arms out and a shepherd's staff in His hand and says, let me come and dwell with you and let me make you welcome with me. David, looking forward to Jesus, is saying the God who would come and give His life for you so that you can have a relationship with Him, seek that one, the one who has already come to seek you, the one who has already made His presence here on earth with us. David says to gaze on, to meditate on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. David talks about singing and making music to the Lord because David says, what is it that I want most? It's this God. God with us. You see, the solution in our fear, God says, is more of me. When we're afraid and we wake up in the middle of the night and we go, how am I going to get control of this? And how am I going to be safe? God says, come and seek me who have come to seek you. Come and seek me because I've come to seek you. Matthew 5. Kind of gives us this, this Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes where Jesus at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are those, and he runs through a list of those who are blessed. In it, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're the ones that are going to be filled. It's so easy for us to think, and I think Satan wants this, for us to think it's those that have everything together that God welcomes. And Jesus is like, no, it's those that are hungry that I come to fill. It's those that limp that I come for. Those that are kind of wondering if they belong. Those are the ones that I want. Those that say, I'm going to seek the Lord. You see, so much of the Bible, is the, it's the, the story of the empty who are filled. Those who seek are the ones that find. Hannah, who can't have a child. Where else can she go except the tabernacle and say, God, God? It's the, the story of the Bible is those on the backside of the wilderness, like Moses, that God seeks and uses. It's the empty wombs that he fills. It's the empty homes that he raises the dead. And so the story of the Bible is a call for us to seek the Lord, to meditate on the Lord and say, God, in the face of my fear, when my fear says, meditate on me, God, I'm going to seek and meditate on you. I'm going to seek and meditate on the God who came to chase me down, who came to provide for me in my weakness and in my failure and in my sin and in my limp. So the second way to cultivate confidence instead of fear is to seek the Lord. The third way to cultivate confidence instead of fear is to ask for His help. Nothing fancy. Look at verse seven to, verses seven to 12 is where David just starts listening, "God, this is what I need. God, I have made you my, my, uh, God, I have made you my confidence. God, I have sought you. God, this is what I need." In verses seven to 12. Notice all the requests. Hear my voice when I call God. Be merciful to me and answer me. Do it, verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away. Do not reject me or forsake me. Verse 11, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Verse 12, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. Each of these is a request where David says, God, this is what I need. This is what I think I need, God. I need mercy. I need wisdom. God, I don't know the way to go. I don't, God, I need strength. God, I need to be saved from this fear. Each of these is David calling to God for what I need. But notice, he often gives a reason to God for what he's asking for. He, he says, you have been my helper. God, do that again. God, my Savior, don't reject or forsake me. This is who you are. I think he reminds himself and he reminds us in verse 10 Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Lord will take me in. The Lord will hold me close, maybe her translation says. Each of this, David says, in the face of fear, what can help me? It's you, God. It's you, Dad. It's you're the one who's going to be the one to do this. And David says, it is okay and normal and right to call out to God moment after moment and say, God, save me, help me, provide for me, give me wisdom. A few weeks ago, we were getting ready for bed, and some of my kids, not all of them, but some of the kids have the habit, if you have young kids or have had young kids, you know what I'm talking about, you put them in bed, and then there's some needs, and they're urgent. You know, it could be, I need water. My leg hurts. Which leg? You know, like, I always try to k- trip them up, and they, I, it never works. My leg hurts. I forgot my medicine. Okay, well, that's a big deal. We forgot your medicine. You know, like, there, but there can always be reasons that bedtime gets delayed. And um, so that, was, that ha- had been happening pretty frequently, you know, that week. And so Emma goes, okay, guys, after I put you in bed, I'm going to get a shower, and I'm going to bed, so don't call me. And Ivy guts real sweet and she goes, Okay, I'll call Daddy. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking of that story because, well, I can be a pushover. But Ivy kind of knows you know what? Who am I going to call when I need help? And mom says she's going to be busy and she's going to go to sleep. I'm going to call Daddy. I think what David calls to us here, Well, I think what God calls us to here is in every situation, okay, I'll call Dad. In every situation, God says, do you need something? Call to me. Call out to me. I will hear your voice when you call. Seek my face. Come to me. God calls to us here and says, even if your mother and father push you away, I will bring you close. And so the proper response is okay, I'll call dad. Satan says, God does not care. Prayer doesn't make a difference. You don't even know the right thing to pray for. And God says, that doesn't matter. Just call dad. Just call on me so that you have the confidence that daddy will listen, that daddy will care. That daddy will go out of his way and not leave me alone in the middle of this. And so, if you right now, you can name your fear. You, You know right now, you could write down on a piece of paper in front of you what your fear is. You can also know from this passage that God says, call out to me. Call out to me for your kids and for your grandkids. Call out to me for your husband or for your wife. Call out to me for your job. Call out to me for your parents and your extended family. Call out to me when you don't know what the future looks like. Call out to me when the grief is so heavy and you don't think you can bear it. Call out to me. Call out to dad. Ask for his help. God says, my ear is ready. My ear is turned. Call out to me in the, for confidence in the face of your fear. I realize that there may be some here today who you haven't seen your dad in a long time, either because of death or because your dad literally pushed you away. Maybe your relationship with your dad, you go, what do you mean? Verse 10, I think, is one of the richest verses in the Bible because it speaks to those of us, whether it's from a parent, a loved one, a relationship. Somebody has pushed us away. This passage says, the Lord will bring me close. And this is a verse for you to call out to that kind of father. Even if an earthly father has no use for you, you have a heavenly father who says, I will. The fourth way to cultivate confidence instead of fear from this passage is to wait on the Lord. Verses 13 and 14 is where David finishes this. And he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Your translation might have this like italicized thing with I I remain confident. Because David's just like, where would I be if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord here in this world, in this life? Where would it be? David says, my confidence is the goodness of the Lord is going to show up here. So maybe some of us today are here and we're like you're like in that waiting period and you're tempted to not wait. This passage says the goodness of the Lord is going to be seen and felt. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I'm going to wait for the Lord. I'm going to wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the for the Lord. All of this leads up not to health and wealth. Hey, name it and claim it. Put your hand on this and you're going to get the whole thing. It still ends with David saying, I have named my confidence in the Lord. I've sought the Lord. I've asked for His help. And I'm going to stubbornly wait until I see it. I am going to be stubborn. I am going to plant my feet here and I'm not gonna move until I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, I think a Godward heart and a holy stubbornness is the goal that God has called us to. Is we might live in a world that is dangerous. We might live in a world that's unlike any we've ever seen, because your retirement account is different than your parents' retirement account. We you we might live in a world where we don't know what illness or plague or disease is right around the corner. We might live in a world in which relationships are cheap and people get thrown to the side. We might live in a world of physical danger. But God says, that the, 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 li- the godly life is a Godward heart that plants its feet and says, I am going to wait to see the goodness of the Lord here. Maybe you're afraid for your kids or your grandkids. Maybe you're, you're afraid just of the world that we live in. This passage says, plant your feet in confidence that you will see the goodness of the Lord and wait for Him. Don't quit waiting. Commit to waiting and staying there. And so, when home life is hard, wait for the Lord. When work is hard and it's hard to go into work and you get that sick stomach feeling in your stomach in the parking lot before you walk in, wait for the Lord. When you wake up in the middle of the night again, wait for the Lord. In the doctor's office, wait for the Lord. You see, it's the biblical pattern waiting. Abraham was promised he was called and then he waited. And then he was promised and then he waited. Sarah was promised and then she had to wait. Moses was called and had to wait. Hannah had to wait. David spent 30 years waiting on the promises of God and then never saw it fully. Jeremiah waited and went into exile and died in exile. Waiting. Daniel served a foreign kingdom waiting on the promises of God and praying for the promises of God and leaning into the promises of God because all of God's people are called to wait. And anybody who tells you the Christian life is get it all now is lying to you. The Christian life is a life of waiting on the Lord. In the face of fear and saying the Lord is my stronghold and I will see his goodness. And one day I'll have the keys to the kingdom. I will have the ear of the king and the God of the universe. One day I will eat at his table. I will live in his house. One day it's going to happen. The Christian life is a call in the face of fear to fix our eyes on that Lord and wait on him. So... We've seen what to do in the face of fear today. Do you seek the Lord when you're, or for safety, or do you seek other things? Do you run to the Lord, or do you give in to fear? What are you going to do this week when you find that you have not gone to the Lord, when creep, fear creeps in? What are you going to do this week when Satan whispers, You can't do it. You see, on the night that Jesus knew he would be betrayed and tried And sentenced to death, he went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus is the only one who can truly say, Your face, Lord, do I seek. And then he died a fearful and gruesome death. Then his resurrection was proof that the Father accepted his death as a sacrifice for sinners. You see, Jesus died so that the Father would accept you into his sacred tent. Jesus was forsaken so that the Lord will always receive you. Jesus died so that fearful sinners can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So today, if you are in Christ, run to Jesus, seek that Jesus, and know, oh, all of the promises of this passage are mine, not for my sake, but because of Jesus' sake. And if you're here today and you say, what do you mean to be in Christ? I want these promises to be mine. I want these to be mine. These promises are not to those that give to the church, not to those that are baptized, not to those that perform better at home. It's those that come empty and limping and say, God, I am a sinner. Forgive me my sin. Let me trade with Jesus. I will take his perfection and his death and his resurrection, and he takes my sin. The Bible calls that repentance and faith. And if that's you today, let today be the day that you trade with Jesus, that you repent of sin and trust in him to save you. And follow Him as the Lord and King of your life. Let today be the day that you stop seeking things here for confidence and instead seek your confidence in Jesus. Let that be you today. So this passage, a simple passage, a simple set of prayers that David prays in the face of fear. I want you to imagine what what changes in your life if in the face of fear you replace that with seeking the Lord. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't, know, you don't even know how you got there and you don't know why you're sweating and you don't know why you're afraid, but you have the confidence, I can seek the Lord in the, in the record of Jesus. Imagine how that moment can be transformed into a holy moment in your home. We all likely have those in our homes that are afraid. And we don't know how to help them. But imagine what happens in your home. When when that fear comes in, we get the, the, the privilege of pointing each other to, there is a Lord who loves us and who cares for us. And he says, come and ask daddy for help. That sounds like something, that sounds like a different kind of home when we encourage each other. Seek the Lord when you're afraid. Seek the Lord who who loves to bend His ear towards us. Imagine what changes in Manchester. Imagine what changes in Manchester when our neighbors hear and experience for the first time that they are not alone. That the God of the universe sought them first so that they can have a Father who will receive them no matter what the future holds. That sounds like a transformed kind of Manchester. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would would use your word to help us seek your face in the God-man Jesus when we're afraid. Help us to know and believe in our guts that you care for us, that you hear us. You will bend your ear to us and you will hold us close. In Jesus' name, amen.